The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Simon Clancy, here every week with Alfredo Arteaga. Good friend. How are you, mate? I'm good. Good. Chris is absent this week. He was here on Tuesday night. He is absent. He has a familial emergency, um, which means he's unable to join us this week. So it's just the two of us, but... Uh, we did just the two of us a few weeks ago and uh, absolutely killed it and kind of almost considered sacking Chris. No, we didn't really. That's a joke. <laughs> That's a joke. Plenty to go at. Most of all, the Dolphins are 2-0. Into town at the weekend, the 0-2 Oakland Raiders. Feels like a bit of a trap game, I've got to say. The, they were a bit of a dumpster fire week one. Much better against Denver week two. We should get to that shortly. But kind of around the NFL, the Josh Gordon story, is going to affect us. It's going to affect us next weekend with Gordon practicing today for the first time. Bill Belichick keeps denying it, but he was there at practice wearing number 10. Do you think he'll play against us? Do you think he will have any impact against us? Do you think he will be suspended by the NFL for how it played out at the end of days in Cleveland with people talking about the fact that he might have been intoxicated when he turned up to... uh, to practice? Do you think he will be able to battle... Xavier Howard better than he'll battle his own demons. What do you think? Well, he's played 11 games in four years, but if we all know the New England Patriots, and as of Wednesday, Bill Belichick said that the trade was not consummated yet, but we know it will. If we know the New England Patriots, they're going to make as much use of him as they can, and he'll be a thorn on us on our side because it means that we do have to pay attention to somebody else, and Xavier Howard will be have to will have to be, I guess, wasted is the wrong word, but he will be very necessary in that game in a couple of weeks. Kid is becoming as locked down as it gets uh, in terms of, I mean, he's firmly now in the upper echelon of NFL cornerbacks, isn't he? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's allowed, uh, in actual man-to-man coverage, he's allowed one catch all season, and that's two games, one catch. Five picks in the last seven games as well, without one in his first 18 games. He is, uh, he is everything we expected him to be. And, and I suppose hoped he would be more than expected. We, we hoped he would step up and play at the level that he's playing at. But he really is as good as it gets. McCain, Fitzpatrick, we'll get to Rashad in a sec. There's some issues with TJ, but you know he's making plays. You know The interception last week, et cetera, et cetera. In terms of Josh Gordon, um, he is on his day one of the top three or four wide receivers in the NFL. Do you think he'll ever get back to having his day? I mean, he made a stunning catch to almost put that, well, to put that Pittsburgh game into overtime uh, in week one. Do you think we'll ever see the best of him again? Or do you think that actually he has so much else going on in his mind that he will never be, I don't want to say waste of talent because it's unfair because so much else is going on in his life, but you know what I'm getting at, right? Yeah. uh, It's really going to be up to, it's up to him. You know how people say a change of scenery? Sometimes guys just don't do not do well with losing and misery. And the Cleveland Browns are the, the embodiment of losing and misery. And who knows? Maybe him playing on a good team will reinvigorate, you know, those muscles and, and, and you know, that part of his brain that actually loves the game. And if you love the game, you will dedicate yourself to it and perform. And if... And if that's right, then the Patriots got a steal for what is a fifth-round pick. What What would you bet on the Patriots winning the Super Bowl? Because I've seen them both. I've seen both their games, and if I'm honest, and this is probably going to come back and bite me, they don't look that good. And actually, over the last couple of years, it, it, it's clear that the talent pool is draining away, and they're getting by. Obviously, with Brady, obviously with Gronkowski, but they're getting by on scheme as much as anything else. They don't look a very good team, especially on defense. Do you think that they are? I mean, the AFC doesn't seem particularly strong, but 
do you think that they are a likely to get to the Super Bowl, B, probably to get to the Super Bowl, or C, do you think there's a possibility they could even miss the playoffs? Uh, I think miss the playoffs. I don't think it's possible because of all the bad teams in the AFC. But I, I said this in, a, in one of our little WhatsApp chats. Uh, in a couple of weeks, like, you know, let's not gloss over the Raiders. I think it's going to be a much more difficult mm. game than most people think. And as of right now, the Dolphins are a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and – uh, they're actually a pretty big favorite on the money line. So people are on board with them going 3-0. and Now, if they happen to beat the Patriots in New England, a place where they've been completely unbeatable, then you can sound the alarm on the Patriots not being as good. But as far as the playoffs, I think they have enough. And when I say enough, I mean Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, that they'll get 10 wins no matter what and make the playoffs. But as far as the Super Bowl, I say zero chance unless they're playing the AFC championship game in New England. And even then, I think if they face a Jacksonville Jaguar team that's relatively healthy, they'll probably lose. And when you say that the AFC has gotten weaker, yeah, you know, but a lot of the teams have changed. Like we all expected the Steelers to be good. They don't look good. But all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes, I know he's like a quasi rookie quarterback, but that Kansas City team looks really, really good. And yeah, they look good on offense. The defense would, would concern me a bit. It, yes. You know, you, you suspect that, you know, if they get into a, uh, much as they did at the weekend, weekend against Pittsburgh, if they get into a battle, it's essentially going to come down to the last team who has the ball because they're not stopping anybody either. So, Right. And, and out West, you know, what do you really have? You know, you, you have the Chiefs, but uh, San Diego, are we doing this again another year where, you know, it, as long as I can remember, it's always – the Chargers down by six points, needing to go to length of the field with no timeouts and 58 seconds left. Like, that's how Phillip Rivers has played the last six years. Like, what is there in the AFC? So, well, they missed an extra point and lose the game. And... Yeah, exactly. So, what really is there in the AFC? What, Andrew Luck? You know, the Tennessee Titans, that Titan team that we saw in week one? Uh, the Texans don't look too good. There's... The Texans will get better because, yes. Know, you think of all the star players coming off injury, it's going to take them a little while to get back into it. Yeah. Yeah, the AFC is just just really, really weak. And when if we sound like homers here every week and we really like this team and we're, and we're pumping them up as, you know, some type of really good team, well, it's all relative. And in the AFC, we could find ourselves with a very good Dolphin team. It, it all really still goes through New England because they still have those two guys. And as long as they play games at home, they're still really, really good. So until, until they lose at home, until they start losing games at home, I wouldn't worry too much. And I think this Josh Gordon thing could, you know, revitalize them a little bit. So I started this off by saying, let's not look ahead past the Raiders because this could be a trap game. And then we spent the yeah. first five minutes talking about the, the week after. <laughs> so, uh, you know, <laughs> listen, we have got some bills to pay. And we should do so with our sponsor, Bet DSI. So the NFL and NCAA seasons are well underway. It's week two is already in the bag in the NFL. The fourth weekend of the college football season coming out this weekend, some big games. Michigan, Nebraska included, which should be a, a doozy. Stanford, Oregon as well, I'm looking forward to. It is that time to take your pigskin knowledge to the bank with BetDSI.com because they are celebrating 20 years online. They've built an impeccable reputation for great service and fast payment for your winnings. They have an excellent mobile interface so you can play, win, and get paid anytime, anywhere. So to help you get started with some extra bang for your buck, the guys at BetDSI are offering double your money on your first deposit. So deposit to start winning and get up to $2,500 free. You heard me. Double your money from the get-go for $2,500 free. When it comes to football, BetDSI has every wager you could ever want or imagine. If it's happening in sports, they'll put a line on it. The NFL, Stanford, Oregon at the weekend, Major League Baseball, UFC, the Premier League. There's a big boxing match in London at the weekend. Anthony Joshua fights again. Esports, political stuff, whatever you want, they've got it. You know you're ready to win, so join BetDSI today and use the promo code YARDS101, that's YARDS101, to get in the action and get paid. So don't stand on the sidelines this season. Be in it to win it and enjoy the games that much more when you play with BetDSI. Dot com. Alf, you are a betting man. I am not so much a betting man. What would you say the percentage chances are of Rashad Jones playing for the Miami Dolphins on Sunday? If you don't know, if you've been uh, under a 
a rock all day. Rashad missed uh, practice and afterwards Coach Gaze said that he had a shoulder injury that he'd suffered against the Jets at the back end of the third, back end of the second quarter just before halftime. Played through it in the second half. But it's been kind of playing up a little bit this week. What do you think? Think he makes the team? And if he doesn't, what do you think would be the restructure of that backfield? Well, they activated Mo Smith, and that should have tipped us off right away because they did that on Monday. Uh, I'm encouraged for one thing and one thing only. Uh, they said, you know, he was held out of practice, but he was in the facility and he was in the weight room. So he was trying to get at least some type of work in. Adam Gay said that he hoped that he could have him on the field on Sunday. If he does not play, I would say that the odds, first of all, are 50-50 with that type of verbiage that Adam Gase used. But if he does not play, do you just reshuffle absolutely everything and move Minka to free safety and put Bobby McCain in the nickel and then play Cordria Tankersley? The Raiders will use some 11 personnel. I, think I don't do probably that. Do, I think it will be Tory McTire over Tankersley. I think McTire would get the start. Um, I think Retire would play boundary, Bobby would play inside, and Minka would play free safety. The other option, of course, is to, you know, how many how many areas, because if you do that, if you move Minka to free safety, Bobby to nickel, and Mattia to boundary, you're essentially changing three positions. Exactly. If you bring if you bring Marie Smith in, then you're only changing one position. Yes. Because Minka can still stay on the nickel. And Bobby can still say outside. So it, it, it's pick your poison, really. It's not ideal, but do you want to change three spots? You know, Minka will be playing a spot. He's no, we know that I'm sure he can handle it, but he'll be playing a completely new spot in the NFL. Bobby will be moving back inside and McTire comes in outside. Now, do you do that or do you just, you know, put the, the, the recently activated guy most with who we know can play? He's a hitter. He can play. We were surprised he got cut. I personally would just go for the latter option. I personally would go for the, the latter option of just having Marie Smith in as a starter alongside McDonald, and then you're not making any more changes than are absolutely necessary. Do you know what I mean? I think making three changes is a real issue, especially when you're coming up against a Martavis Bryant, uh, you know, uh, Seth Roberts, uh, an Amari Cooper, and a Jared Cook, because that, you know, that spells danger because they're they're good players. So. You know, I think trying to make as uh, as few changes as possible is probably for the best. And I I completely agree. And uh, we might get a little bit of help because we might get that help from John Gruden himself because he's shown a tendency to want to go a little bit heavier. Uh, at least he did against Denver. Against the Rams, he was it was kind of a very odd game plan. He was trying to throw against that secondary and especially uh, outside the the hashes, which is bad news especially against them but yeah I, I completely agree start Mo Smith and keep everybody exactly where they are and in base kick Minka to free safety and you're not losing all of that much in base which is what I think I think don't quote me on it but I think that that's where the Raiders are probably going to want to do they're going to probably want to line up and and Probably, I would say, you know, 21 personnel and try to work Jared Cook against our secondary. They had success last year. Uh, John Gruden saw that game. He's been good this year so far. So why not try it again and try to stay behind that running game? So, yeah, exactly. Uh, Mo Smith and don't change much else. Well, why don't you take us to church, as it were, and pay some more bills and then we'll come back and we will discuss that Raiders offense, the Raiders defense, uh, I think it's a significantly better offense than it is defense. We'll chat through ahead of Miami against the Raiders. Dolphins' chance to go 3-0 after this. Yeah. When we come back, we will discuss the Raiders, and maybe we'll have a treat. Maybe Chris Kaufman will record something for us, and I could send that in. But first, these words. Josh Darrow here, host of the Five Rings podcast, where it's always a cane sting on the Five Reasons Sports Network. What are we about? Pretty easy. I want to tell stories, and I want to share the journey for the players and coaches, past and present, affiliated with the University of Miami. Take Manny Diaz. He grew up in Miami. He grew up going to the Orange Bowl. It was, you know, it was all those 1980s teams. You know, that that's where it all started for me, and just just the style of play and. And really, it was. It really took hold when Jimmy Johnson was here, and, you know, sitting there in the Orange Bowl, and 
86 when we're whipping Oklahoma and just, you know what I mean? Just, just speed and then violence. You know what I mean? It, 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 you know, we're not only, you know, you know, Nebraska was a changing of college football. It's those kind of memories we want to share with you. Listen, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate the support. The Five Rings Podcast, where it's always a Canes thing, and we're always a part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. They already know this is OJ McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins Tales from the Deep. OJ, tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch because he's <laughs> is chasing me because you, you know Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy, that guy. <laughs> Why are you looking so, at me like I know yeah. Lizzo with his no, clothes off? Seth with his clothes off. <laughs> so make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. And we're back, and as promised, here is Chris Coffin with his recorded Raiders Dolphins preview. All right, the Miami Dolphins play host to the Oakland Raiders at Hard Rock Stadium, where the Dolphins have shown a very strong home record under head coach Adam Gase, especially with Ryan Tannehill at the helm. Ryan Tannehill and Adam Gase together have won nine of their last ten games, and uh, and most of those are at home. So they have a very strong record on offense at home. The defense, uh, home versus away, is not that much of a disparity, but certainly the offense, they score an average of like 28 points when Adam Gase and Ryan Tanhill are together. So the Oakland Raiders have an uphill climb. Now, what are you going to look at with this preview? First, let's look at the offense. That is the Miami offense versus the Oakland defense. And this is all about two things. This is all about the nickel defense of the Raiders and the no huddle of the Miami offense. The nickel defense of the Raiders actually has been on the field all over 90% of the time for the Oakland Raiders. That's not by choice. That's not because they're doing something experimental or weird. It's because opposing offenses have intentionally put their nickel defense on the field by putting three or more wide receivers out there. And the reason they want to do that is because the Oakland Raiders have a poor nickel run defense. They just, they're just terrible when they have five defensive backs on the field and only two linebackers, and they're trying to stop the run. Number one is Bruce Irvin, who came out of uh, West Virginia as a pass rush specialist, uh, always resisted having his snap counts dialed up, um, got into trouble that way. And so West Virginia actually, you know, dialed them back down and made him just a pass rush specialist. He went to Seattle at uh, 15 overall as sort of a 4-3 outside linebacker slash pass rush guy. And, um, and that worked out for him. That worked out for him as an outside linebacker in the 4-3. Uh, but then he got a big contract with the Oakland Raiders as a 3-4 outside linebacker, which still was okay for him. But now under John Gruden and uh, the defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther, uh, he's now a down defensive end. And that just doesn't fit him very well. So opposing offenses really would like to run on him. And so when they see him out there in the nickel defense, they run the ball and they've gained something like 200 yards on only 26 carries. It's seven and a half yards per carry. The nickel defense of the Raiders overall is allowing over six yards per carry. And that's because they're constructed also on the back end with their secondary uh, poorly because they have Reggie Nelson, who's very old and has a history being more of a deep center field type safety, a free safety. Um, he doesn't move as well anymore and, and doesn't help for, versus the run that well. And they paired him with another safety in Marcus Gilchrist, who is five foot ten and 200 pounds and is a corner convert. It just doesn't make much sense. So when you put these guys on the field, you also look at the corners that they have. Gary and Conley on the outside, even going back to Ohio State, has always been kind of a pussy against the run. So – People want to run against this uh, against the secondary. They want to run against Bruce Irvin and the defensive ends. And let's be honest, the defensive tackle uh, position for the Raiders has been a shit show. They've been uh, they've been rolling guys in and out because they're just not working out. Whether it be rookies, uh, undersized rookies like Maurice Hurst or PJ Hall or a slapdick like Brian Price. 
or uh, they just recently grabbed Clinton McDonald and Jonathan Hankins. Those are probably their best defensive tackles. They only just arrived a week ago. Um, so on the defensive side of the ball, you're going to want to get Oakland into their nickel defense, just as the Broncos did, just as the, uh, the Rams did. And you're going to want to run the ball. The bad news for them is that Miami is especially good at that Miami against the Titans and, uh, followed up against the Jets. Uh, they put those defenses into nickel and then found inventive ways to run the football all over those nickel defenses. They did, you know, we're talking about Albert Wilson in the backfield. We're talking about Jakeem Grant on end arounds, Ryan Tannehill on the zone reads, inside zone, outside zone, split zone. Um, Miami has found ways to run the ball on opposing nickel defenses. They're actually running for over six yards per carry, over six yards per carry against uh, nickel defenses out of their uh, their lighter three wide receiver or more uh offenses so this isn't just like a strength on a weakness for Miami advantage for Miami this is like literally you have one of the team one of the best teams in the league at doing a thing versus a team that is the worst in the league at defending that thing so this is going to crack wide open because it's such a strength on weakness for Miami um unless the Oakland Raiders can find something inventive and effective to change all these equations and stop being who they've been in the first two games. One of the ways that they can do that is by starting to blitz more because uh, they're also really poor in pass rush out of the nickel. And if you can't pass rush and you also can't defend the run out of nickel, then you might as well just send everybody at the backfield and hope you make some plays. So Miami has to take care of their shit and actually make sure that they have a lot of blitz options uh, in case that happens, in case Oakland just unleashes a, a huge package of blitzes at Miami. And to that end, I would look back at what Miami did in 2016 under Adam Gase with Ryan Tannehill at the helm. Uh, Pro Football Focus had him at a 106 passer rating against blitzes. So it seemed like he could handle blitzes really well back then. And I would look for them to continue to handle it pretty well if the Oakland Raiders, you know, delve into that uh, into that territory as an answer to what's been going so horribly wrong so far uh, the other thing is no huddle Miami has used the no huddle very well they recontinued it after uh, after stopping it inexplicably in 2016 and uh, the no huddle was very effective against the Tennessee Titans they used it sparingly against the Jets on the road uh, with a hostile crowd shouting at them but it was effective for the plays that they tried it the Rams used the no huddle against the Oakland Raiders defense very effectively in the first game. Uh, and the Broncos didn't really break out the no huddle until that final game-winning field goal drive when the Oakland Raiders defense was clearly tired in that thin atmosphere. Um, so it's a little bit out of the frying pan and into the fire for the Oakland Raiders defense because if they got tired in the thin atmosphere uh, over in Mile High Stadium they're going to come over to Miami and it's going to be that atmosphere is like thick as a wet blanket with that heat and humidity. And they're still going to be sucking wind at the end of the game, especially if Miami starts breaking out the no huddle on them and intentionally trying to tire them out. So on offense versus defense, that those are, those are the weaknesses that Miami are going to be looking to exploit the things they're going to try to take advantage of on the other side of the ball. Miami's defense uh, has some weaknesses Still, they had weaknesses a year ago, and they still have the same ones. They, um, they are poor at stopping the pass in base defense. Base defense, when they have their three linebackers out there and their four defensive linemen, only four defensive backs. Uh, other teams can really isolate those linebackers. We've all seen it. And, uh, and, and make some gains in the passing game that way. They did that a year ago, and that weakness has persisted thus far this year. There's also been a weakness that has persisted a little bit from last year to this year in that when you get Miami's nickel defense out there, uh, you want to run the ball against them, just like the Raiders. You want to, you want to try and run the ball on, their, on Miami's nickel defense. It's not as bad as the Raiders, though. Um, but this year, they're doing a little bit better. Miami's doing a little bit better that way, uh, and so it, it, we've yet to see whether they've fixed that or not. Uh, the question is whether the Raiders are real, well equipped to handle this or to exploit these weaknesses. They're not. And that's because thus far, 
they haven't been very good at running the ball against opposing teams' nickel defenses. They've only gained like 3.8, 3.9 yards per carry that way. Um, and then on the passing side, you notice what they did in the first game against the Rams. Derek Carr uh, intentionally targeted the tight ends and backs out of the backfield underneath the Rams defense and he didn't really target the wide receivers much to my chagrin since I have Amari Cooper on my fantasy team Um, but he threw 30 passes at the backs and tight ends and this was the game plan John Gruden said that this was the game plan on purpose and uh, this is normally something that you'd worry about with Miami but it was totally ineffective throwing all those passes at the backs and tight ends even though they were open uh, it just didn't work out for the Raiders. They didn't score many points, and their offense just looked really anemic overall. And this is because if you go back through Derek Carr's history all the way to college, uh, Fresno State, you know, and, and his career in Oakland thus far, he's more of a spread kind of guy. He he thrives on three wide receivers or, or more wide receivers than that. He doesn't thrive as well on two wide receivers. He, uh, he does better with one tight end on the field. It does not do so well with two tight ends on the field. Uh, he has demonstrably better passer ratings when you get more wide receivers on the field and you spread the other team out. And so, you know, you have to, you have to fit the offense to what your players are good at. And the problem is that fitting it to what Derek Carr is good at and what the Raiders offense is good at just happens to not be a weakness for Miami. And that's, you know, spreading the ball out, getting three wide receivers out there and bringing out Miami's nickel defense and then passing on him. And unfortunately for them, that means that Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick and Bobby McCain are all going to have their say. Um, If they do try to pass the ball against Miami's base defense and try and take advantage of that, that weakness, you know, you wonder if Derek Carr can really get the job done. And uh, if they try and run the ball against Miami's nickel, you really wonder if they can get the job done because they just haven't shown any capability that way. Uh, overall, you look at this game, you wonder, okay, this is, this is a terrible Raiders team so far. Uh, Miami has been pretty good. Is this a trap game? Is this the kind of game you think Miami should win, uh, but they won't? because you know they they fell into the trap to me those trap games are when the other team is good at things that you are not particularly good at defending and um, sometimes those things can sneak up on you like Miami's defense has been good overall but you wouldn't and so you wouldn't necessarily know that they've actually been demonstrably poor at defending the, the pass from base defense you wouldn't necessarily know that they've been really poor at defending the run out of nickel because overall the defense has been on fire and and you're very happy with it. If the other side was good at exploiting those things, then this could be a trap game. I just don't see it though, because the matchup doesn't go well. It's a, the matchup favors Miami considerably. And so unless John Gruden really reinvents what the Oakland Raiders are good at both on, offense and on defense in a way that's really effective and that Miami doesn't plan for and can't stay on top of, then this is probably going to be a comfortable win for Miami because of the, because of the way that it all, it all plays out um, between the strengths and the weaknesses. So I would predict a, a pretty comfortable win for Miami at home, continuing the streak of, um, you know, winning 10 out of Tannehill's last 11 games with Adam Gase as the head coach and uh, and another victory Monday. Thank you, Chris, for that extensive preview. And yes, it's the 0-2 Oakland Raiders at home here at Hard Rock Stadium. And before the season started, Simon, and we were just going, this is a win, this is a loss, this is a win, this is a loss. We penciled this one in as kind of a rough game, no? Mm, yeah, and as actually. Yeah, and as it turns out on BetDSI, our fine sponsor, uh, the Dolphins are actually kind of a hefty favorite. Maybe not on the line because they're only a three-and-a-half-point favorite, but they're minus 170 on the money line, which says most people expect the Dolphins just to win this game. And I'm not so sure. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, later on we're going to have our predictions, and I do expect the Dolphins to win. But I don't think that the team that you saw – against the Rams is what we're going to see this Sunday. I think it's going to be more 
of what we saw against the Denver Broncos. Mm. I thought they played the Broncos tough. Yes, and this for me, this for me is an expectations game in that all of a sudden the Dolphins have slightly changed expectations. There's a few people in the national media with egg on their faces who came out and said, you know, Miami are only going to win three games. They're going to have the first pick in the draft. They may only win four games. Tannehill's terrible, this, that, and the other. Now, all of a sudden, we're 2-0, and oh, and expectations are changing slightly. But I, I get the feeling that people are just waiting for that slip-up. They're waiting for, you know, who have they beaten, really? I saw somebody tweeting the other day about, um, you know, there are four unbeaten teams or five unbeaten teams left in the NFL, and, you know, a lot of bad unbeaten teams. And the two that stood out to people were, Cincinnati and Miami, who ironically meet in what, three weeks' time. Um, so it's a difficult one. The narrative will, will not change until I, I don't think until we win a playoff game, till or till we go to New England and we win up there. Do you know what I mean? There are certain yeah. things that have got to happen, certain dominoes that have got to fall. This for me is a difficult. I think it's a difficult game. But what I think I like about it is that their strength matches with their, our strength. You know, iron sharpens iron. And it's, yes. you know, we talked about it. Amari Cooper and Martavis Bryant and Jared Cook going up against Minka Fitzpatrick, Xavier Howard and, and Bobby McCain. You know, that is a, that's a tasty, tasty matchup. You know, where can the Raiders get some, um, where can they, where, where are the holes that they can find in the defense? Where is the, where are the, the, the seams that they can infiltrate, as it were. Will it be getting guys like, I don't know, you know, the Jalen Richards out of the backfield on Kiko Alonso, those kind of things that, that, that might worry you. Would it be a, you know, what about a guy like Jordy Nelson, for example, you know, a, a, a grizzled veteran, you know, is there something when he moves into the slot on Minka that, you know, Minka hasn't seen just because, you know, Jordy, you know, the reason he left the Packers is because he can't run anymore, mm. but, you know, he's still mentally a terrific football player. You know, there will be things that Minka will not have seen that Geordie will be throwing at him. It's those sorts of little, you know, where are the wins that John Gruden can find in terms of his offensive capabilities? And, and look what Derek Carr did last week. I mean, it's one of the greatest statistical performances in the history from an NFL quarterback in terms of, in terms of you know, I think he had 90.1% completion percentage, yeah. which was the, you know, for, for quarterbacks who've thrown over 30 passes a game, it was the, it was the greatest... Um, statistical performance of uh, of all time. At one stage, I was watching the game in red zone, flicking back and forth to New England, Jacksonville, and stuff. I think he was twenty three of twenty four at one point, which was just remarkable. You know, it reminded me of that game that Tannehill had it, or Tanny Hill, as uh, John Gruden calls him. <laughs> um, it reminded me of that game that we played against Houston, the sort of the almost perfect first half where we scored thirty five points. I think Ryan was, you know, twenty of twenty at one point in that game, which was. Uh, pretty staggering but yeah yeah i mean there are good players on that offense but we match up well against them it's whether they can get like i said a jayna rashad on a kiko or on a raekwon that that may open up a few holes whilst xavier is on amari cooper and whilst you know bobby is on martavis bryant we talked about it last week in terms of terrell Pryor and whether or not he'd be able to use his size for example on bobby what about martavis being able to use his size and his boxing out ability on 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 McCain, for example, or on Howard. I think there are, you know, they have options and it'll be a tough game for Matt Burke in terms of in terms of being able to um to to match up defensively and also, you know, shutting down Marshall Lynch because again, those guys on that defensive line will had a taste of him last year, the God Charles and the Vincent Taylors and the Jordan Phillips, Jordan again who missed practice today. Um, but you know, he's not going to he's not going to rip off 65 70 yard runs but what he'll keep doing is coming back and smashing you in the mouth over and over again so will they will they be able to wear that dolphins defense down um by using lynch i don't think so and i don't think that i think the rotation that matt burke uses in terms of you know everybody's getting a decent chunk of snaps nobody's running away with it in terms of this is not andamican sioux territory it's pretty much i think you look at it and I think the highest snap count is sort of 70 and the lowest is about 42. So everybody's getting involved in the game. So hopefully we'll be able to be able to match up. What do you think in terms of the offensive, the way that their offense matches up with our defense? Well, I have a friend of mine who's, an, who's a Raider fan and I watched that, that Ram game with him and he would be perfectly fine if Jalen Richard played every single snap except the snaps inside the five-yard line where they just hand mm -hmm. the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Uh, Jalen Richard is a very good back. He's shifty. He catches the ball cleanly. He catches the ball well out of the breaks. So he could be a problem for somebody like Kiko Alonso or Raekwon McMillan. 
uh, what Raekwon McMillan allowed against Bilal Powell, that can't happen because J- Jalen Richard can score from their own 20. Yeah. It could be an 80-yard touchdown if Raekwon McMillan allows that, that bad angle. Uh, I think that there's a guy on our defense who's used to pressure, and I think the game might fall completely on his shoulders, and that's Cam Wake. He's going to be going up against uh, Colton Mary's- Miller. Well, no, Colton Miller is now playing left tackle. So Cam Wake is going to be going up against Donald Penn. And I was going to say, you know, an aged Donald Penn. A Donald Penn that did not look all that great against the Rams and looked even worse against the Broncos. So Cam Wake, this is a game where he can completely raise havoc. And, and if he can, then that could short-circuit their offense. If not, their short passing game is as good as any in the AFC and maybe in the NFL. And we know we have problems with Jared Cook. So I do expect them to score. Our defense, I know that, according to uh, Pro Football Outsiders, is the number one defense in the NFL right now based on efficiency. Uh, I don't expect that to continue. I do like our defense, but I don't expect them to be the number one defense in the NFL. This offense can score. Although they haven't scored in prolific numbers yet, they're dangerous. So The the matchup, I think... that's important to look out for is Robert Quinn against Miller because Quinn has started with absolute gangbusters this season, hasn't he? Yes. He's been playing terrifically both against the run and uh, the pass. Um, he's been hugely impressive and just another kind of under the radar off season move that has just worked wonders. So far. I know it's only week two, but he, he really does look like a difference maker back in the system that suits his, his game. That offensive line that they have generally is, is a big, big unit isn't it and it's full yes. of grizzled experienced players you look at Rodney Hudson you look at uh, Kalichi Assembly Penn that we've talked about obviously and Gabe, Gabe Jackson, Jackson. Yeah, yeah absolutely I mean Gabe Jackson's a really good player that's that's going to be a real test for our defensive line but again it's the game within the game and, the, and those matchups getting Quinn on Colton Miller for example um, and uh, you know Donald Penn talking to the media today saying you know he's gone up against Cam Wake loads of times in terms of being on the same field as him never actually gone never had one single one-on-one rep with him you know mano y mano so again that should be fascinating to see I don't think I think interior pressure you know against the, that's there's some big boys but you know you get somebody on Rodney Hudson who's the guards are big boys Rodney Hudson isn't the biggest of centers that that could be some ability with which we can penetrate and and cut through into the slice through into the backfield. But um, I, I do like the Robert Quinn. Talk, you know, I assume that they'll be chipping Quinn. Marshall will be stepping up and, you know, and chipping him to, to protect Miller. But wouldn't surprise me if, if that's where we're able to get pressure. Because you don't want Derek Carr sitting back there, do you? No, just no, you do not. To, to pick passes to those receivers. Because, you know, Amari struggled and Martavis had issues off the field. But, you know, on their day, there is, you know, they're, they're mighty fine players. And as you alluded to, Jared Cook has caused us some real issues. Talk about flipping the field then you know when we've got the ball because to me I look at their defense and I and that to me I see I see money signs in terms of are they going to get are they going to be able to get pressure on you know on Ryan in terms of you know you look at the ends with Tank Carradine and Mo Hurst in the middle Bruce Irvin who you know I don't know if people saw it but on the on Denver's drive to their game-winning field goal at the end I mean Bruce Irwin was and Bruce Irvin I'm surprised he wasn't I'm surprised he wasn't fined, frankly, because he was <laughs> yes. dogging it on every start. The video is absolutely, absolutely ludicrous. It's ludicrous. <laughs> yes. You know, linebackers, uh, to hear Whitehead can run and he can cover. You know, Derek, Derek Johnson is smart, a really smart guy, but, you know, he's also an old guy. and You, you don't want to be matched up one-on-one with Kenyon Drake if you're Derek Johnson at age whatever Derek must be now, 34, maybe, 35. Yeah. Um, you know, 35 years, November 22nd, he'll be 36. So he's nearly almost 36. Um, you, that, that's not that's not a matchup you want. And then even the secondary, you know, Gary and Conley starting at one corner. Leon Hall is obviously still there. You've got Carl Joseph, the former first-round pick. I think they're starting Rashawn Melvin on opposite um, Conley. So yeah. there, is, um, there is hay to be made, isn't there, for the Dolphins' offense, I think. In that game, the, that Raider-Ram game in week one, uh, I hate to keep going back to that one, but that's that's the game I watched with my friend who's a Raider fan. He was laughing because at one point on the field was Bruce Irvin, Derek, Derek Johnson, Leon Hall, Reggie Nelson, and Dominic Rogers Cromartie. Mm. And he remarked to me, if this were four years ago, they would win the Super Bowl. <laughs> so that team is old. It DRC, is DRC is 32. 
Reggie Nelson is 34. Wow. Um, Leon Hall? Leon Hall must be about 37, I reckon. Oh, my God. So the average age of about five defensive players on one series was about 34. Leon Hall's 34, actually. Derek Johnson, almost 36. Who else did you say? Bruce Irvin. Bruce Irvin. Irvin is... Oh, he's just he's almost thirty one. Yeah. So the average age of about five defensive players was about thirty two or thirty three and a half. Frosty Ruckers <laughs> will be thirty six. Oh no, it's just turned thirty five. Yeah, that that is an old ago. squad. If yeah. you combine that with Dolphin Speed and Miami Heat, and not the basketball team, I'm talking about yeah. you know, the actual weather. Uh, you kind of want to expect some touchdowns. Now, we've scored six touchdowns in two weeks. That's a very good and, mark. And a lot of no huddle. Yes. I would suspect, you know, keeping moving, no huddle, Ryan getting onto the line and getting those, you know, short parts, just getting them chasing, chasing, chasing. Because, like you say, Derek Johnson does not want to be chasing, you know, sitting in his own chasing Kenyon Drake or yes. um, covering Mike Jasicki or, or, or whatever. What, what do you think about the tight end? Because, you know, you boys were quite in our infamous WhatsApp group that we always talk about. You know, you boys were high on Jasicki catching a lot of passes. He's caught one, targeted twice overall in, in the first two weeks. I, I was slightly more reticent about him putting up bigger numbers just because rookie tight ends tend to struggle anyway. So far, he seems to he's been on the field a lot to block, as we talked about in our in our uh, review podcast uh, on that dropped Monday night. Don't forget to download that; it's uh, available from wherever you get your podcast. Do you think Jasicki will be used more this week, or do you think that it's just a steeper learning curve for a rookie at that position with all that he's got to pick up on, especially in the blocking game, because that's an area where he's had to really focus his attention. Yeah, I think that this could be uh, Mike Gusecki week, and I'll tell you why. Uh, we on this podcast are not big fans of Devontae Parker, but we don't matter. The guy that matters is Adam Gase, and Adam Gase is a fan of Devontae Parker. This could be the week that Devontae Parker actually gets some snaps, and the feeling in that building is that Mike Gusecki's success could be tied to Devontae Parker being on the field. Mm-hmm. And if you play them together on the same side, namely the strong side, which is Ryan Tannehill's right side, uh, it opens up the playbook for a lot, a lot more combinations, especially for those two guys. And I'm told that Parker has a package of plays. So maybe that's why we haven't seen Mike Gusecki really get the run that we've wanted him to get. But man, you just look at that that depth chart of theirs and like there's a lot to exploit there especially for a tight end that can run and as and, and can get vertical so every time we put him out wide like who's going to go out there and run with him uh leon hall so yeah there's going to be opportunities and i already said you know we scored six touchdowns in two weeks we scored three three touchdowns the first week three touchdowns the second week and we should be happy about that uh normally i would say if we score three touchdowns again this week we should be happy about that also because, you know, three touchdowns is 21 points and we can find a field goal here or there. We find two field goals. That's 20, you know, that's 27. We should be happy and we should win a game with 27 points. But I'm thinking more along the lines of getting a little bit greedy and why not score four touchdowns this week? I think this is a defense that we can exploit. And I think uh, my expectations move up slightly up from the three touchdowns we require to maybe let's get four this week. I don't know what you think, Simon. I'd be quite interested to see a package that involves Parker, Jasicki, and Tanner McAvoy in terms of just height. You know, 6'5", Jasicki, 6'6", McAvoy, 6'3", Parker, Mm -hmm. up against 5'11", Rashan, 5'11", Darion Conley, 5'11", Leon Hall. I know that Melvin's slightly taller, 6'1", and a half. But just that, that, that's intriguing because... McAvoy is on the, uh, has been on the active for the first two weeks. You know, I know they're yeah. keen to try and get the ball to him at certain points. I've been told that they're interested in getting McAvoy. You know, he will be a surprise sort of X factor in that kind of Crash Jensen style from, from way back when. In terms of touchdowns and stuff, you know, I always like us at home. You know, and I think that, you know, what we've talked about in terms of those matchups, look, getting, you know, it's, it, it, it's obviously interesting to see how we're trying to innovate with with Albert at quarterback and Albert running, you know, 
out of different positions, whether it be the wildcat. It wouldn't surprise me at all if there's a if there's a pass at some point from Albert Wilson. You know, I I think that's absolutely on the cards. A lot of that jet sweep action. We're obviously going to be pounding Drake. We're going to be pounding Frank Gore, uh, and I think there'll be hate to be made in the running game. I think you know this. I actually think it's a big week for the running game this week. I think that you know we will be able to run significantly on them. Um, and Gruden talked about it today. Gruden talked to the media, and, and there were three players that he sort of highlighted. Um, Rashad Jones was one. Cam Wake was the other. It was another. Um, Ryan was another, and then uh, and Kenyon Drake. And obviously, he was in the booth when um, when Drake ran all over the Patriots last year when we beat them at home. Um, that great spin move that he put on uh, on their safety and and ripped off the big the big run that he split out wide and caught the catch down the sideline. So Gruden knows all about Kenyon Drake, but knowing about him is one thing, trying to stop him is another. And I think, you know, if you gear up and try and stop that running game, then we've got the guys out wide, especially with Devontae coming back as well, you know, whatever, you know, we make of that. But there are viable, you know, Jakeem, Devontae, McAvoy, Jasicki, AJ Derby, you know, Kenny, Wilson, Amandola. I mean, that's eight players. And, and we haven't even talked about the two boys out of the backfield in, in Gore and Drake who can both catch passes. So I think when we have the ball, I think we should, yeah, I think 30 plus points is not out of the realms of possibility with, with that offense going, going up against an aging defense and a defensive line that, that needs work doing to it. And, and then as we've talked about conversely, if we can get those ends, you know, beating Miller and Penn and not giving Derek Carr the time to set his feet, get the ball out to those receivers, I think we'll be in decent shape. Yeah, before we go to our our predictions, uh, let me say one thing about McAvoy. He's played the up-back position on on punts Mm. for the first two weeks of the season. He's a former quarterback. Yeah. If you don't think that Rizzi has a pass out of there drawn up, (laughs) then you don't know Darren Rizzi. Who knows? Maybe this is the week that we do see it. Absolutely, and he would have been jonesing about seeing the uh, seeing the Tennessee Titans uh, punt um, from last week, where Kevin Byard threw to threw to Dane Crookshank the the, the long touchdown. He will be, um, he, you know, we know what he's like. We we know that he's that kind of charged up kind of, and he is, isn't he? I mean, he's the he's pretty much the heart and soul of the he's pretty much the heart and soul of the coaching team really isn't he and yeah, I, I think much. It, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if he had been on the phone to Craig Orkerman the the, the Titan special teams coach and just sort of because these guys are a special breed aren't they special teams coaches it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if they were yucking it up and and I'm sure he's got it in his mind that at some point there's going to be some sort of McAvoy throw that yeah. you know, like you say it's a great point that you make it's a great point it would not surprise me whatsoever especially given that we carry what is it? Something like nine former college quarterbacks. And one of them is on IR. One of them is on IR. Marquise is on IR. But seriously, if we're not seeing at least one trick play. And, you know, I mean, the, the perfect irony would be the fact that every single time Ryan Tannehill ever comes on television, it's mentioned that he used to be a wide receiver. Well, throw him the fucking ball. You know? Let's, yes. see, him run around. Let's see him run around or two. Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Now, the problem is, can Albert Wilson throw that ball? You know? I'm not sure. I've seen, Kenyon like Drake. I've seen Kenyon Drake throw a ball. It's not yeah. pretty. Okay? <laughs> Let me just say that. Well, don't forget, Amandola. Wasn't Amandola threw the ball down the sideline to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl? Yes, yes. Like, and it was, a perfect, it was a perfect it, strike. It was a good throw. It yeah. was a good throw. Wouldn't yeah. surprise me if he could throw it. So, wouldn't yeah. surprise me if Chisiki could throw it either. But you probably don't want to put that ball in a rookie's hands. But. <laughs> right, especially not in a game that I expect to be nip and tuck. Okay, yeah, it'll be close. Two and old Dolphins, zero and two Raiders. One o'clock this Sunday. Simon, how does it play out? Give me a score. Who wins? I'm going Miami Dolphins thirty, Oakland Raiders twenty-four. We are. We, we are of the like mind i think the dolphins will score on that raider defense this week the problem is that i do see that raider offense scoring on our defense uh i think we need rashad jones for any semblance of domination let's say any two to two score win for this sunday if not i do expect a nip and tuck game and i'm right with i'm right there with you Although I do have a scoring four touchdowns and a field goal. So 31-24. Nice. Okay. 
and it'll be it'll be tight at the end we're all um we're all i mean we're literally i'm literally doing this on the fly this has not been uh pre talked about we are all two and oh in terms of our predictions but i don't think anybody has actually nailed the score no we have not and i think you probably get an extra point if you nail the score i don't think anybody's done that yet so and i don't think anybody's been close because i think uh the first week i said uh last week i said 22 19 which was not too far off yeah but the first week i said 20 to 17 i just needed the Dolphins not to score that last touchdown yeah i had 16 13 the first week so (laughs) yeah but yeah we are we are we're confident but you know i was kind of i'm nervous Yes. And I'm nervous because, uh, do you know why I'm nervous? I'm nervous. And we talked about this again on the infamous WhatsApp group. We talked about this the other day in that there's something different about this team. And, uh, and yeah. we've pinpointed it from us from the start. And, uh, and I know that some of you out there have been on the bandwagon with us since the start, but a lot of people haven't. A lot of people haven't. And, you know, losing Sue and Jarvis, et cetera, et cetera. People were like, oh, Debbie Downer, Debbie Downer. Yeah. We've, all, yeah. we've always stayed true to the fact that we think this is a significantly better football team and I use that word team than it was in previous incarnations so absolutely I, I think I think some of the nerves come from knowing that there's a potential playoff team and you know if things go our way there's a potential playoff winning team here yes and I think that momentum you know you get you go to three and oh and you go to New England, and it, you know, like we said the other day, if they go to New England and they beat the Patriots, I think all bets begin to be off at that point. You know, yeah. I think it's more about people not wanting them to screw it up. They see three and zero. Let's not. But, screw you know, it up. I think there are. I think there are people out there who really want us to screw up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I, I we really see them do. all the time. We see them all the time on Twitter. But really yeah. Do. Yeah, I th- you know, this is the classic trap game. This team will not be trapped, I don't think. I think that the trap they fall into is that it'll be a very entertaining game, and we both agree it'll be high scoring. Definitely. Well, that's it. There is no more. We will see you guys again on Tuesday. We do encourage you to listen to all the podcasts on the network. Until then, <laughs> goodbye. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.